0: These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old.
1: Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer.
0: This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema a to b Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Cinema a to b Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 1999 film, The Matrix, which kind of started off this whole plethora of other movies that came out. Changed the way some things were filmed and how things were thought about. But
1: Ben, tell us about your experience with The Matrix. This is a defining film for me in a movie theater. And 1999 was a special, special year. It it brings to mind this and then uh, Fight Club. And they those are two super impressionable viewing experiences for me. And eventually, we will uh, cover Fight Club on the pod. But today, it's all about Keanu Reeves and the Wachowskis and change cinema forever. This is the one, right? Like this is this is a once in a generation kind of movie. And unfortunately, the only the only reason it's maybe not remembered quite as well is because the sequels just aren't good.
0: No. And I I'm, I'm going to stop you there because one of my talking points is especially that is so let's take a moment to think about how would this film be talked about today if Revolutions and Reloaded were not ever made that if this was a one and done film. And then we they stopped and went on. Like you I mean you kind of hit the nail at least where where I'm feeling that this would be continually talked about a whole lot more that it's the sour taste of reloaded and revolutions and not, not that they were terrible films but that they just kind of tarnished the matrix you know they kind of tarnished that everything that this movie was they kind of just gave us a little too much more info or wasn't done nearly as well or was a little too convoluted that it kind of made us not forget but it's not brought up as the defining film that it is
1: from now Yeah, on. I don't, I don't know um, because it was so well received. It's not, this isn't one of those cult classics that took decades to be appreciated. I mean, this, this thing, when it came out was one of the highest rated or highest grossing uh, R-rated films ever. I don't know that it was number one, but it was, it was probably top five. I'm guessing it made a lot of money. And I can only imagine how much more money it would have made if it would have been uh PG 13, which begs the question when I, when I go back and watch it, I'm not entirely sure other than maybe some language, why it's rated R. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense to me that it didn't get past the, the ratings board and get into PG 13 territory. Although it didn't matter because the action producer Joel Silver is known for good R-rated action films. So I don't think they cared, but yeah, I I don't know how much time we want to spend on like the what if, if this is a standalone, but it's certainly, I agree with you. I think it certainly would be more revered than it is. And it is revered. It's just the conversation inevitably goes to those sequels
0: and by and large this film by itself i'm not going to say it's a completely flawless film but it's pretty close in my estimation like there's this definitely isn't one of those that does not go to your old adage that every movie needs to cut 15 minutes like this movie is tight and like i think it's well done like super overproduced and not in a bad way but just the thought everything through, process everything, plan for everything in this first one, which two and three really didn't have. And it's so apparent that it was just kind of not a rush job. I'm sure they had this idea, but it was definitely not this 15 revisions of the script or they brought in people to do 600 storyboard boards for the shot selection to, to then sell it because that's what they needed to do to get the first matrix done. But then it became the six success and they're just like, ah, we're just going to kind of wing it. And that's what a f- two and three feel like to me, like we got an idea, here's the story. We're just going to kind of wing it in some ways.
1: It's like the old adage that more is not necessarily equate better because they were working with some limitations with the first matrix. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah meticulously planned and storyboarded and it shows it. It's always felt like a more polished film than, than the subsequent films. And that can't be overstated. Yeah. This just is a landmark picture of the end of the 20th century and ushers in kind of dictates a lot of what we've gotten From Hollywood over the last 20 years, everybody's kind of been chasing this thing, this blend of, of a compelling story narrative where you don't quite know where everything's going, crazy good visual effects bundled in this, this neat little package that tries to take the dial to 11 and and everybody's been chasing that, and and some films yep. have, I think, gotten there, uh, but most with don't. Too many don't. And then obviously you see how hard it was to chase your own success with Reloaded and in, Re- in Revolution. So, um, but I, that's the last I'm going to speak about the sequels because by itself, this is not just a landmark picture but an endlessly entertaining rewatch.
0: I'm going to say it still holds up because I literally just watched this today like a couple hours ago. hadn't seen it for probably like a couple years and sat down and just was like I want to, you know, kind of remember some things or kind of refresh some stuff and I was enthralled just like it was. I'm going to tell you right now seeing this in the theater is my number one best movie going experience ever. Really? It was nice, I, like, nice I, choice. I rem- yeah. I, re- I remember distinctly kind of what I was doing. Like it was, it was funny. I w- went with a friend of mine and she took me, she had seen it already. And she was like, you're going to love this. And, I, and also this is like 99. So the internet was a thing, but it wasn't as prevalent. So you didn't get, spoilers or you didn't get so i i knew next to nothing of this film going into it i just had heard about it and i wanted to see it and she was like you really need to see it so we went and no joke she jokes that the entire time that i was watching it i was like this like, i've seen you do that opening sequence the opening sequence yeah you, when I get when I kind of get thrown into a movie, it's just like I just kind of focus. And she was like, for whatever, however long, hour and a half, two hours, whatever this movie is. She's like, I I did not move. I just did this the entire time until the credits rolled and I turned. I was like, that was amazing. And I remember just being so pulled into it, just so kind of on the not on the edge of my seat, literally, but like figuratively on the edge of my seat the entire time, because I love the fact that this movie does not hold your hand at all. Like you go a good 30, 40 minutes before you get any kind of backstory or exposition of what actually is going on. You're just kind of like being bowled along as, you know, wh- why is Trinity walking along the walls or, you know, why is Neo's mouth now being closed up? What the heck's going on? Like, what's this thing going to his belly button? Like you have like you really have no idea anything going into this and I, I I feel like we kind of miss some of that nowadays with trailers that kind of spoil too much or with all these you know reviews that come out a couple of days before and people you know learning all about the films where it's like I literally went in knowing nothing and just was grabbed by this story and just so it goes on I mean it really was i I've got a lot of good movie movie going experiences but this one I loved it was a great theater it had it was the one with like THX sound, I believe that had just been put in. So the sound was amazing. The screen was great. And just everyone was quiet. Like it was just this nice, amazing experience.
1: Yeah. It it rates, it's not my favorite movie going experience ever, but it's, it's certainly probably top five, which, and it's a long list. So top five for me is fabulous. And what was cool about this was, you know, it was March of 99 when it came out and at least a year or two prior, George Lucas had made the big push to have cinemas across the country brought up to standard, especially their sound systems for what would be released in a few months later, which was episode one, the Phantom Menace. And so the matrix benefited from that because when it came out, most theaters had been, had their picture and sound. Well, the picture wasn't a problem because it was still 35 millimeter film being projected, but the, the, the 5.1 had been, Upgraded across the board, and so, yeah. and the sound design is just as important in this film as the, the visuals. In like fact, the visuals are so Absolutely. epic because this the sound design elevates it so much. But it, yeah, this was this was tremendous. I, this was another one I saw with my my dad. I mean, we just uh, we saw a prolific number of films from probably ninety six to two thousand till when I left for college. Like we just packed them in. So that, that window of, of cinema is really special for me. And this is one of the best, you know, I think I've mentioned that this fight club, um, gladiator saving private Ryan, you know, films like that were seminal moments for me. You know, I was 15, 16, all the way up to, you know, 18 years old. And this is another one where I just was convinced, Oh, movies are always going to be this good. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. I, I think cinema is kind of in this place of what feels like decline right now, but it will write itself. Um, it will, we'll get out of this Marvel glut and Hollywood's going to be forced to make kind of more considerate good movies again. And they'll just be lesser, you know, fewer of them. But yeah, this is peak, this is a really special time because this is peak 35 millimeter film. I mean, this is a, an effects heavy picture, but it's it's got the benefit of of being shot on, on 35. And it has that look, it has that distinct look. And it, I could bloviate forever about what makes this work. <laughs> I will say, I think this is one of the best examples of style and substance meeting and they both meet at the highest level. Mm -hmm. The sequels is more, feel more like style over substance, but the original, this both are working together and the story is really good. The story is just taken for granted. And this thing works as a standalone. It doesn't need the other two movies. If you if you opt to not watch those two or the latest kind of retrofix, um, yeah. yeah, resurrection, resurrection. Yeah. Thank
0: you, thank you. I couldn't. It was very highly forgettable.
1: Yeah, I saw that on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't <laughs> no, miss it. I mean, it I, mean was, I saw it, it was fine. It helped the flight yeah. go by. But this yeah. one is a uh, belongs on best best of lists.
0: I made a, li- a quick list of I was watching of like like moments, like cinematic moments that I saw that just made me stop and go. That's a gr- gorgeous shot. Like, I mean, talking about like the, just the, in the, in the opening sequence, per, which is first off a, an amazing opening sequence of them, like the whole Trinity talking with, with Cypher um, and then fighting the cops or whatever, but she's got like her hand over her head because of the cops. But then the shot Is just half of her face and then looking in that little like triangle uh, in between her arm and her head or whatever. And the cop coming up to like, do like, like you don't get that without planning ahead. That's not a like on the moment, like, ooh, let's let's shoot this. This looks cool. Like they did that. Like, I mean, the. Uh, shooting neo coming getting arrested by the the agents and then seeing that coming out of the building from the motorcycle side view mirror of trinity uh, of taking the pills you you see neo taking the pills to the the sunglasses of morpheus i mean all these just kind of amazing shots that are very artistic and like and any other movie i'd just be like you really just set that up because you want to do that shot where it just actually in the matrix it Is done with so much thought that it's not. Hey, let's just do it this way because it looks cool. But let's do it this way because it actually adds some stuff. Like it also is gives a little bit more meaning, especially like with the Morpheus. You're looking into his eyes, but you're actually seeing the reflection of what's happening of like the two pills and his choice. Um, So it's 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 some of these things that is just done so well, so well thought out. Again, this is a a movie, a labor of love that has so much effort put into it. Um, but I also got to say, kind of starting from the beginning as well, it's one of the few movies that I remember actually changed the Warner Brothers logo mm-hmm. at yeah.
1: the beginning.
0: I don't I don't I don't think it's the first, but it's definitely one of the first that I remember actually doing. It was that.
1: super memorable. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. It, you're right. It may not have been the first, but it feels like it was the first big picture to do that, yeah, that which has now just become completely commonplace. I mean, everybody does it. And every studio does it. Paramount tweaks their logo for the movie. So it is close to a perfect film. I don't even know where I would pick anything particularly apart.
0: The acting's done very well. I mean, even Kiana, who I think I I really enjoy, but I don't think he has a lot of range. Like he, you know, he's great in a, a few films, but then when you put him in something with other really great actors like you know he did shakespeare's um uh not midsummer but he did uh, he did another shakespeare that, the name um escapes me at the moment but he's with like Denzel Washington you know all, all these other really f- fantastic actors and he's trying to do shakespeare and he's just he looks like a dead person just you know reciting lines and it's terrible he's like the worst part about it but like and here it works you know and here I can't see anybody else but him in this. And I don't, again, I don't think he's a bad actor. I just don't think he's got the range that actors he only
1: gets himself in trouble when he attempts to go outside of his range. And then it just kind of falls flat. He doesn't do that. In fact, he doesn't do that in any of the matrix films. And he doesn't even, he doesn't even do it now in much of anything that he's in. Like he doesn't do it in the wick pictures. And so it also helps that he's surrounded by really high level actors Namely, namely Fishburne and Hugo Weaving. The individual I just don't think gets enough credit is Carrie Ann Moss.
0: Oh yeah.
1: It kind of makes me sad because outside of like these films and then Memento, and then they tried to put her in like, um, there was a Mars picture with Val Kilmer Mm. and uh, Tom Sizemore. So it's like the studios kind of tried to give her a shot but they they pigeonholed her in the whole action thing. I mean, I think they, I think they thought of her as like another Sigourney Weaver, and they just nobody nobody that. really wrote a bunch of material for following the Matrix trilogy, and which which I was thought was disappointing because I I was I always liked her, and and if I had to give a reason to watch Matrix Resurrections, it's because she's she's in it and she's really Absolutely. good. She is, yeah, like. And so I give her a lot, of, a lot of credit. The whole romantic element of this film works because of her. She's kind of a forerunner for this tough femme fatale in a lot of these comic book films. It really goes yeah. back to Trinity. And the only thing that predates her is, is Sigourney Weaver's Ripley in the, in the Alien franchise. So she's kind of an archetype for... A lot of what you see Marvel trying to do, which doesn't always work. And they
0: do paint her as a full character, too. It's not like she's just here as Neo's romantic sidekick or whatever. Like, like she's a complete and utter amazing character in the beginning parts of the film. So, like, she does get sidelined a little bit. But obviously, this is that kind of hero's journey story. Like, it's like, you know, kind of like Star Wars Um, That that basic story of someone who finds out they have some type of powers and then gets taught and moved on and then they fight the bad guy. Like a very classic story. Like you could take the Matrix story, put it in any kind of genre. It doesn't have to be this, Um, which I think is also one of the reasons why it resonates so well and also why it is so good because it is a story that works without its, you know, its scenery and things. Um, And so that scenery just adds a layer to it and doesn't isn't the purpose of it. So.
1: And it does, it does matter for plot, the whole set, the whole setup, you talk about the reveal in Fight Club, you talk about the twist ending of something like The Sixth Sense, which also, ironically enough, Mm. came out in 1999. Mm. This is one of the better twists I've ever seen, certainly in a movie theater. And uh, we were, everybody's mouth was on the floor. Everybody's kind of like looking around (laughs) when (laughs) it's like, oh, okay. This explains a lot. I mean, obviously, in '99, like nowadays,
0: it, this would almost be kind of like a trope, like their their storyline of this being a dream world or something along those lines. We're like, oh, okay, we've seen this before, but like, this is really the first time we've had something like this, or at least in you know our generation, a movie of being able to pull this kind of. And so, it wasn't a trope. It wasn't like expected. This was completely a spot. Like, wait, wait a second. The it's a simulation. They are in a simulate like what? And like, again, completely enthralled the entire time. I'm just, I'm in it. And again, that's like 30, 40 minutes in that we finally figure that out. And all this crazy stuff has happened beforehand.
1: And how easy would it have been for like a lesser script to have just like run out of steam after the reveal that it's a simulation and where the back half of the film just isn't interesting. Yeah, and it it's still it's, it's, it builds and builds and builds. It it goes back to your roller coaster analogy of them building mm-hmm. the tension and then releasing it and then it's almost like a, it's like a roller coaster that goes up and down and then keeps getting higher, and so the mm-hmm. the the fall gets bigger and bigger until the the crescendo finale. Yeah, oh. yeah, it's it's a special piece of of film, and. Has aged beautifully. The effects work is near flawless. I love these films that were forced to, you know, do things in camera. There's plenty of green screen. There's some digital mm-hmm. effects. But the the amalgamation of all that ends up the movie ends up having its own visual effects aesthetic. That no that nothing else looks like this, right? Yeah. I could say the same thing of Peter Jackson's original Lord of the Rings trilogy. The effects in the film have its own aesthetic. The visual effects have just a distinct way they look. And this movie does that really well.
0: And I think a, a lot of it is because so much relies still on practical effects. Like, yes, you did have computer graphics and CGI that you could add things. But what they wanted to do, like some of those, you know, dodging bullets, like especially when he's leaning back, that's all wires. Like, or when... You know Trinities running along the walls or doing jumps like that's all wire work because they couldn't easily CGI him and obviously the bullet trails those kind of things that's CGI but it's the small amounts where now you've have whole scenes that all they are, are CGI and maybe one real life the stuff.
1: heaviest CGI are the uh the squiddy looking things that that attack the Nebuchadnezzar oh, yeah that's probably the most CGI that you get in the whole movie but those for whatever reason those those hold up pretty well I think they did some high contrast lighting that just, it, it feels still feels good. It's hold, it's held up, but yeah, most of the rest of the effects are effects like where you're distorting the real world. And so everything has a photo real element to it. You can tell they were shooting like real background plates for things still the most mind blowing shot in the entire film. I haven't gone back to watch how they exactly did it, but it's, it's that shot of the helicopter running into the side of the building with the shock wave and the glass distorting. And then Trinity's flying mm-hmm. forward. It's mind blowing. Yeah. It's in 2023. No movie has a shot like that.
0: I will, yeah. I'll tell you it's on my list of uh, amazing shots. Like I, like I stopped myself and was like, Nope, I'm going to write this down and put it, put it like this is my list of amazing shots of that helicopter shot of hitting the wall, the little ripple glass and then it's this is her. impressive
1: yeah. today as it was 24 mm. years ago going Absolutely. on 20 next year it'll be 25 25th anniversary
0: you have these like you have like they also right before that when you know neo shooting the 50 cal from the helicopter like it's a undershot of the helicopter and you just see the shells raining down i mean when he is asked to go to the like underneath the bridge and you just have that sheets of water coming off of the bridge and he gets like that's an icon- iconic shot that you just I don't like I, I like it's just brilliant. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain. Like, how do you come up with that?
1: This segues nicely into kind of a, a deeper discussion on some cinematography of aesthetics. I am a fan when it works for the narrative of slow-mo. Mm-hmm. There are a mm-hmm. lot of directors that aren't there. There are certain directors. If I recall, George Lucas was never a fan of slow motion. Like there's no, there's no slow-mo shots to my knowledge. There's no slow-mo shots in like the star Wars trilogy, but like he doesn't like it. At least not the ones he did. And I, no. I can't, there's other directors that I can't name off the top of my head. that just don't like it where it works. I'm, I'm a fan and, and the matrix has got some beautiful slow-mo and it relies heavily on slow-mo. The, the effects mm-hmm. feel more impressive when things are, when they ramped up the camera to shoot more frames. They use it well. It's not a crutch, but and then bullet time is just like a <laughs> bullet time took slow motion and bent it on its head. Just it turned it on its head. Said, "Oh, really? You you enjoy a nice slow mo action sequence? Well, look at this." <laughs>
0: I mean, there's a reason. So this this one actually did win four Academy Awards, four Oscars. In the technical, and it was only nominated for yeah, it was only nominated for four. So it swept the categories it was in, but it was, uh, best film editing, best sound, best effects, sound effects, editing, and then best visual effects. So it was all, you know, technical stuff, except for the, the, um, I guess the editing would be the big one. That's not a best sound, but I mean, it deserves it. Like, uh, unfortunately it wasn't nominated for best picture, but I don't know if it would still would have won that year. I don't remember what, what actually won that year, but, um, I know it would have definitely 99 you know, been tough 99 yeah cuz I don't know obviously saving private Ryan won in
1: 98 according to cinema A to be well that was so, the 99 uh, oscars when, so this was the 2000 oscars yeah. I don't I don't know Oh yeah that's right yeah um but oh I think it, I think anyways, it was American like, Beauty but that's neat oh. here it was yeah it yeah, pretty okay.
0: sure we'll, we won't, we won't we won't talk about that um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that's wrong with that movie. Um, so, okay. Moving on to back, back to the matrix and not American beauty. 100%. I want to be able to learn by just loading a program into my head. Like, I think,
1: I think like, that's uh, Elon that is, Musk's whole intent with the, <laughs> the, um, the implant chip that keeps cooking uh, chimpanzees brains is, yeah. is that, yeah, I think that's, I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime, but that's, that's probably going to happen, pop it in, yeah, load mm-hmm. up,
0: and then I can just say,
1: I know Kung teachers Fu. are going to be out of a job, like nobody's going to teach anything okay.
0: that's okay, um but going off of this tangent, I will say uh them doing this and how how they process it does give an amazing way to give some exposition very. In a very interesting manner, because obviously they use when after he says, I know Kung Fu, they go in, you know, that's when when Morpheus is like, show me. And they go into like a little test program into the in the sparring arena. And they use that time in a in a visual, interesting, action oriented way to discuss the boundaries of the matrix. So like it's all exposition on kind of building the world that you don't know.
1: They even show you like what the real world looks like after the fall of yeah. enslavement of humanity. And that's when he mm-hmm. really freaks out and like pukes. And yeah. Yeah, you're right. It they don't just sit there and have Morpheus in a chair just strictly talking. And he starts out that way and then they they cut and show you know, show me, don't yeah. tell me. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's it's well, masterful. It, it,
0: And it's great because they do that, that just that white room, that kind of, um, I forget what, what it's called. I just literally watched it. I don't remember, but like the construct or whatever, like like of the main, yeah. Um, the construct and there's no sound like if you if you watch it there's no ambient sound there's no music and it's it's just them two talking and then just more things populate as morpheus kind of thinks it so the chairs and the TV and then they go into the TV into the into the real world and then they're there in the real world and so it is giving exposition but again doing it in a way that is visually interesting and brings the audience along on a story as opposed to like you said just morpheus talking and that's kind of what this sparring match does because they talks about is that air you're breathing am i fashion you based on any my muscles in this place you know and also it's really really cool um and i love the every time i watch it i love the the morpheus foot move like he, he kind of does like the shuffle back and forth and then he does like the two things i love the foot move like whenever i'm like pretend fighting i'm i'm doing the 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 morpheus shuffle like that's what i that's later what I in it. the
1: movie when keanu does his you know thing and then kind of <laughs> yeah. i wonder how i know how much baby powder they had to put on him to get to get the dust to like move when he <laughs> what he shakes. But yeah, the foot the foot uh, shuffles could. And Fishburn and and Reeves had a real commitment to the craft of learning that fight choreography. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. And it and they trained for a long time.
0: Like four or five months, I think. Um and actually turns out so I was I was reading some stuff about it and and didn't know but turns out that uh, Reeves actually had a leg issue or something like he had hurt something or um, sprained something or broke something. And so like he couldn't do a lot of kicks or a lot of leg movement. So when he was doing training, the Kung Fu master actually just kind of focused on punches and like flips and those kind of things. And so if you watch the movie, he actually does very few kicks. It's all like hand work and punches, uh-huh. but I mean, it, it, but again, it, it goes to show like in, the sparring scene and all the other different scenes, it, them spending that much time doing like eight, nine, 10 hour day trainings with this Kung Fu master really paid off because the fight scenes are absolutely amazing. Like it, none of this, you know, at this point, born supremacy or yeah, born supremacy hadn't come out. So Paul Greengrass hadn't ruined action films. And so it's not a lot of jump cuts. It's a lot of just actually the two actors in frame fighting and you're seeing everything yes
1: man, I missed that. Well, I mean, they, I, they, they've I, kind I of brought it that. back with, with ironically enough, another Reeves vehicle with, with yeah. Wick, the cameras further back. Yeah. That's what I've always liked. That's what, that's what Bruce Lee insisted on for his films mm-hmm. was a camera that was, was placed further back for fighting sequences so that you could actually see the choreography with really yeah. minimal editing. That, but to do that requires your actors to be more highly trained,
0: well trained,
1: mm-hmm. and know what the choreography is of the fight.
0: And you're willing to take multiple retakes, and your actors are willing to take
1: it's certainly more work. To face, if you want a real quick and yeah. dirty fight, yeah, you shoot the hyper close up and just make the audience nauseous and oh, they somehow had a fight <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then someone, yeah. won And
1: now it's boring. No, it's word. I it's trash when they do that. It's late. It, I think that's really lazy filmmaking. Personally. I not a fan, not a fan. No, I was going to say, this is another one. I'll speak briefly to this, but this is another one. We just, you know, we just did an episode a couple weeks back on, uh, at this point, I think on saving private Ryan, this is another one where the, mm. the VHS and the DVD, um, made the green tint of the matrix, like way more green than it was and mm. now you can go back on Blu-ray and realize, oh, it's subtly there, but it's not, it's not overwhelming, like it was on DVD. DVD, it's like it looks like it's black and white with green <laughs> for a lot of scenes.
0: Yeah. Well, and so they did, they did specifically do green for the Matrix, and then they did blue for the real world, um kind of under tint. Even though technically speaking, blue is the least common color in actual real world sense. Like if you look going in nature outside of the sky, like blue is very that's rarely av- available, that's but
1: that's yeah. Hollywood gap. Yeah. No, it's um, a beautiful film. It brings back uh, that whole new you see? That's my, mm-hmm. that was my complaint was for the sequels. When they would go back into the matrix, like by that point, the budget had ballooned and the studio had gotten their fingers in there and said, Oh, you're going to have, yeah, you're going to do like car deals with Dodge or Chrysler or whatever. And so the vehicles were like recognizable. You go to the original and then it's, and it's that old, I believe it's an old Lincoln continental, but it fits the that the agents. Are yeah. In. yeah. But it's a really neat looking car and fits the whole noir vibe. And you, you lose that in the sequels, like the yeah. whole styling of the matrix in the original is just more visually interesting than any of the sequels were. And, and in the, in the, the other challenge with the sequels is, and I know I'm going back on what I said earlier, (laughs) but the other, (laughs) the other issue, the other strength is how much of this movie takes place inside the matrix, which is about like 90% of it. And the sequels, it was the opposite. It was like 10% was in the matrix and the other rest is the real world. The real world sucked. Like it was dreadful both visually yeah. and narratively, it was not interesting. Yeah. The matrix and is where it's Neo at. Let's like, just go back in. Yeah. And that's what they tried to fix with this last one. Cause most of that movies or based like, all, all, nearly all of it is in the matrix. Why? Oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? <laughs> I want to be put back yeah. in.
0: Remember nothing. Just
1: gnawing on that steak. And I- yeah. Maybe like a and like I, and, to be like an <laughs> actor or president.
0: <laughs> it's like I, I want to be rich, powerful, like an actor.
1: <laughs> I guess and basically okay. Ronald Reagan is what he wanted to be. <laughs> basically,
0: yeah. yeah. Um yeah. Oh my goodness, what is Joe uh, Um Liano, Le- sorry, Pantaliano. Um, so I really like him. He's in a lot of films. Well, so and him, him, and Carrie he, and Ann
1: Moss are both in. Memento, Memento. yeah,
0: yeah. So, so both work with Nolan so I'm jealous there but so I read an article from from Joe that he he did I forget which magazine this was like 10 15 years ago I think I was in LA at the time or right before I was going out to LA and he was talking about how he makes three movies a year he makes one movie for the money one movie for the art and then one movie for the location
1: oh okay so I see like, it, I see and, I was, and he's
0: like yeah. And I was like, he's like, he does three movies a year and that's what he does, you know? And he's, and I'm like, but like, he has a great career. I mean, he's in a ton of really good films and worked with a lot of great directors, a lot of great actors. But I mean, you really don't know him and he's just had a Cypher's a
1: really interesting character. Very tragic character in a lot of ways. I mean, this is just, this is the character that's just lost faith. That's obviously a huge narrative point in this, in this film is, is those that carry the flame, the torch of faith in the cause and ultimately in Neo being who they think he can be. But then Cypher's this tragic character is just convinced, no, he's not no, until the very end. And by that point, it's, it's too late. It's too late. yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of depth to this movie. Like, I mean, obviously they pulled in a lot of different religious icons and religious narratives along with just basic story narratives. So there's a lot of depth in that regard. But some of it is even on the surface, too, like when he talks with the Oracle, you know, and kind of I, I, I wrote down basically it was like that there's this the juxtaposition of prophecy versus freedom and then. The freedom of learning that you are no longer bound to prophecy of kind of the thing of like, that's what needed to motivate Neo in this regard is, is that put that burden of he's the chosen one. He it, it couldn't kind of deal with it, but the moment that he was told that he wasn't, he was able to kind of then that's lift a great that, scene. You know, lift that burden up and yeah, it's a great scene. But then he was able to make those hard choices, which then kind of proved he was like. That he was the chosen one that he was able to do these defined things because he no longer had the worry of being, he the had chosen to get out of one. his own way.
1: Like, and she knew exactly. that. And she knew the only way for him mm-hmm. to get out of his own way was for him to be convinced that he, he wasn't the guy. <laughs> Cause then he would, then he would, then he had just free reign.
0: And I, I, love the, I love the aspect of that scene too, when she's just like, "And don't worry about the vase," and then he knocks it over, and he's just like, "What's gonna kind of bend your mind before is like, would you have knocked it over had I not said anything?" I'm like, "I." I don't
1: she's know. really like, good. Um,
0: uh, who's that actress? I was sad
1: that she couldn't make. She yeah. What was the deal? She pa- she, did she pass away? away? Is that what? Yeah, she oh, passed away. between one and yeah. two. I mean, they had a decent yeah, narrative explanation for why the or, oracle didn't look the same, but yeah, she passed away in two thousand one. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, she was fantastic. You know, I, I yeah, do believe is. that the, narratively this film owes a lot to Dune. Mm-hmm. Yes. Th- this is like a, this feels like a modern retelling of, of Dune.
0: I completely and utterly agree that, the, you know, Paul Trane's The Messianic character.
1: figure and he, he wrestles with me actually being the guy or not as well. Yeah, it, it has, a, there's a lot of parallels with this. I'm sure it was in some form and inspiration along with Japanese anime and
0: yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of Japanese anime and uh, influence in here, but we just need a quick, quick, uh, silent moment in regards to Dune part two, not coming out in 2024. (sighs) All right, moving on. You mean not coming Um, out
1: this year? This year. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Coming out in in 2024. March of 24, they pushed it. I don't know why they did that. It would have cleaned up. Between now and the end of the year, no. I don't, well, whatever. Okay.
0: Whatever. Uh, but going on, this movie is not all just great visuals and great sound and those kind of things. It has some great lines. I'm going to say it too. The dialogue is not bad at all. Uh, I Like, there's a lot of good moments that I love. Like, when, when Agent Smith's talking with Morpheus, he's like, it's the smell. Like,
1: it just every time. I love it. I enjoyed this movie, and I I love Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, but Mm -hmm. this was a movie that really kind of messed with me when they decided to cast him in Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yes, because it was only a couple years later. I was just I couldn't get it. I still can't get it out of my head watching Lord of the Rings. Just (laughs) 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 like.
0: I was there, Gandalf, yeah. 10,000 years In the ago. Matrix. <laughs> In the Matrix. <laughs> well, and so, like, I, I remember reading back then, like, and I can't find it now, but I remember that he, Hugo, even couldn't talk with an American accent really well. And so that's where that cadence comes from, was because it's the only way that slow yeah. plotting that he could get a more neutral sounding um, voice out of it. But yet I think it works so well because it's almost robotic. It it's almost... It, it Because it feels so forced, it does feel like an AI-generated voice. Um, and so, oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, like, I mean, just other lines of, like, you know. What it do you it's really guns, it's real easy for people to do
1: that impression, too. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. pretty much anybody yeah. can do oh, yeah. Mr. Anderson. Uh, yeah. I- saying, we've had our eye on you for some time now. Kind of, like, was very distracting initially with... With In Lord fellowship, yeah, yeah, in fellowship especially,
0: and, and luckily he's not in it that much, and so that you were able to kind of move on. But yeah, when he first kind of shows up, and you're just kind of like, "All right, everybody, watch out! He's gonna he's gonna kind of take over someone else's body here pretty quickly." Yeah,
1: yeah, no, you're right. There are good lines. So I love the beginning. I think we can handle one little girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, your men are already, no, already Sergeant. dead. Already yeah, dead. I do kind of love the, the fact narratively that, that the decision to be successful basically just involves killing a bunch of innocent people. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, they're like, Oh, well no one's ever done anything like this before. It's like, well, yeah, the loss of life is going to be significant. Yeah. 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 That through the roof, it is, it is. It's kind of it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, if we just don't worry about who the agents inhabit.
0: And speaking of loss of life, the uh, the lobby scene got to talk about the lobby scene because a lot we'll have scene to wrap up is... on the lobby scene
1: then because
0: we, we have to. Yeah, we're getting getting a little long. But so the, the lobby scene needs to be talked about because I'm going to tell you next to the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan, this was probably the next most watched, you know, to. Show five point one surround sound at the time. Like I mean, still to this day, it's a it's it's a great scene. It's probably my f- one like in my top five action sequences, if not my second behind Heat's um, city battle, bank battle. Um, so I I just love the scene. It's great, really thought out. This is kind of like kind of what you're talking about the slow mo, where it really kind of shows its strength and makes it just that much better.
1: The the set comes apart really well with all the the squibs blowing away portions of the wall, all that concrete coming off. And so there's really nice texture in that action sequence that really like drives home the caliber bullet they're shooting, you know, shooting at each other. And then, yeah, the sound design is just epic, absolutely epic. And now isn't that scene that kind of culminates or at least part of it where that, that elevator door like blows And the fire and the flames are like in slow-mo. Yes. Yeah. That's tremendous stuff.
0: That's them. Like, so they've gone through the lobby, they get into the elevator and they get it kind of halfway up and they, he's got a bomb bomb, and then, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it, it's so again, much like the entirety of this movie I keep saying is it's so well thought out, so well done. And the use of practical effects or the use of doing stuff in camera as much as possible helps this movie so well. Because, again, just watch it. Yes, I have some nostalgia. And yes, I love this movie. But it still held up. It still enthralled me. It still looked great. And I can't say that with a lot of stuff that came out in the early 2000s that use a lot of CGI. So it behooves people to use practical effects in addition to CGI. Like have CGI enhance what you're already doing in camera instead of being the main focus. Oh, but okay. I guess the last thoughts we've been here for a while now <laughs> and there's more to talk about, but uh, you know, any, any last remaining thing that you want to want to say about the matrix?
1: I think in another, say 10 to 15 years, let's go with 15 years. The, it will help things because I think the memory of the sequels will, be further faded into the background Mm -hmm. and this first entry will stand brighter because if in my estimation, if the effects work is still looking really, really, really good in 2023 for a film made in 99, then there's really no reason that it shouldn't continue to look impressive, you know, decades from now. I think our concerns about how it was impacted by its sequels will eventually not matter. Go away. Yeah. Cause those, I do. I think those movies will be f- forgotten. I think they're already starting to get forgotten. I, I still, people still see people with best of lists that have the matrix on it. I've never seen anybody put reloaded or revolutions on there. So no, not, yeah.
0: at, not at all. Um, I'm only going to say w- there's no better film to end with a rage against the machine song than yeah. the matrix.
1: Yeah. It's and the rest of the score, an excellent choice. The rest yeah. of the score is really good by Don Davis, and we we didn't really get into that territory, but uh, I think it's got an underrated score. And the, and they use the they use those seminal moments with the music really nicely. When you know when she when she kisses him, yeah, that whole thing. He is the one, you know. And yeah. and the in the score yeah. builds those. And I've talked about it. Those are the those moments that I love in cinema, where. Mm-hmm where the score really delivers a, a big, emotionally charged moment. And everything comes into play, the visuals, the score, because you're, what you're watching is like multiple art forms all running in concert. That's why I think cinema is the greatest art form on the planet. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Because it's, it's everything. It's, it's music. Classical music didn't die. It just trans, it morphed into cinema soundtracks and the best soundtracks, soundtracks yeah, are still using classically derived music and instruments. I mean, we just watched Oppenheimer. It's basically got a classical score.
0: And they're played by orchestras and both, both in, you know, for recording purposes and live, like, you know, I live, you know, close to DC and I'm going to tell you right now, like we have many orchestras and they're playing, theirs world, they'll play it with the movie, play in the background. They'll just do the score and it's, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, I this is this is a wonderful culmination of everything that makes cinema so enthralling. And if you Mm. haven't watched this film in a while, if it's been a couple years, you know, this is one that I would recommend somebody watch probably once a year and remind yourself how good this is
0: and how good movies can be and how flawless they can be.
1: And I would, I would predict that next, next March you will see a re release in theaters hmm. of this, this 20 the 25th yeah. yeah okay i i not a doubt oh, in my I'll mind i will see it again not a doubt in my mind yeah i will, I, I will too because they've they've remastered it in 4k um back in 2018 so it's uh if they could only do do like an imax up res or something i would
0: <laughs> i would see that yeah so all right well That's going to be it for us talking about 1999's film, The Matrix. We want to just say thank you for listening and have a great day. Take care, everybody.